Welcome back to the second hour of Gesundheit with Jacobus. Here again is your host, Jacobus Holloway. And thank you very much for being back with us here in the saddle on Saturday morning. Robert Kasmo with us on the program. He is a licensed psychotherapist in private practice in Bozeman. He has a master's degree in social work and more than 20 years of experience in the therapeutic counseling of couples, adults, families, adolescents, and abused children. Highly effective as a workshop presenter, a group facilitator, and an individual counselor. He's a member of the Institute for Imago Relationship Therapy. He has completed intensive training through IIRT on an ongoing basis and has co-facilitated workshops. He has completed additional works in couples therapy at the University of Washington's Gottman Institute. For his general practice, Bob has completed advanced training in family therapy, family mediation, chemical dependency, depression, and hypnotherapy. He is an experienced hypnotherapist and has taught hypnosis to colleagues in social work and mental health fields. He uh, is available at 585-2710, 585-2710. His office is in the Medical Arts Building in Bozeman at 300 North Wilson. And you go to his website, which is Robert. Kasmer, K-A-S-M-E-R, Kasmer.com. My son made the website just Fletcher It's a very Kasmer. nice. <laughs> it's a very nice website. And it says, indeed, uh, uh, that you use an Apple computer, Apple yes. program. That's right. That's what I saw, too. So, uh, uh, RobertCasmer.com. I, I think he could maybe use some lighter pictures of you. <laughs> some you know, kind I of haven't looked at the website in a couple of years. <laughs> So that's when it says 20 years, because we, we said in the promo that you've been doing this for over 25 years. Yeah. So, uh, but no, it's, uh, I think maybe a nice facial picture would be would be good. But uh, hey, it is all about the substance, isn't it? I hope so. That's right. Well, we um, the uh, comment, the question I actually asked uh, Bob in last hour was about dialogue. Dialogue is a word that is used very prominently in imago relationship therapy and it is a structured process what dialogue is all about. Uh, there are three aspects mirroring, validation, and feeling empathized. Bob mm-hmm. would you please explain that to us? Well uh, the, also the more accurate term that I like to use is intentional dialogue where couples will sit down with a clear intention about what one wants to discuss. Mm. And so part of it is, is I'm going to sit down, I have a clear intention of what I want my partner to understand, and their intention is going to be to listen to me and without their defenses. And so... I think it can be very difficult to sit down and talk to your partner without defenses and very difficult for our partners to listen to us without defenses. Mm-hmm. Our defenses pop right up out of our uh, primitive part of our brain. It's an, uh, a radar system that's always searching for uh, safety or danger. And uh, when we are sometimes with our partners, we unconsciously see it as danger and immediately go into a defense mechanism hmm. of withdrawing 
uh, attacking, denying, mm -hmm. uh, and we can talk more about that later. So, we two couple or two people in a coupleship sitting down, intentional dialogue. One might say, "There's some things I need to talk about. Is this a good time?" Yes, it okay. is. Okay. And so I would like you, the sender of the message, I'd like you to just mirror back what I'm telling you. Okay. And that has multiple uh, uh, applications in that it helps the person listening set aside their defenses of what they want to say back to their partner from daydreaming, and they really helps them to listen much better. And so if I have to really mirror back what my partner's telling me, so you're really upset about me being two hours late last night. Okay, I understand that. Is there more? And so there's the mirroring. Um, the validating, which I think is a really important piece. Uh, <clears throat> and I think people that don't understand completely the intentional dialogue process, it is not just repeating back. It's it's validating, it's really trying to step into your partner's experience at, and seeing the world through their world, not our own because they live in a different universe. We need to be an anthropologist getting curious about why would they think, do, act like that. So I mirror back, I validate. So I get that you're really upset with me for being late last night. I, I understand that. Uh, I'm, I would be angry too. You make sense to me. Uh, I didn't realize that it had that impact on you, but now that I hear this, I really get why you're feeling, thinking the way you are. Yeah. And so what we see is once, instead of what we normally do is, I, you know, the sender sends the message, I'm, I was really upset when you were two hours late. The normal unconscious response was, well, you're late all the time. I can't believe you're angry that I was late. Well, it's your fault you told me the wrong restaurant. We go into that defensive mode, which immediately triggers defense in the partner, and then we, we are off to the races and running. Or like I've had to do that, I would say, well, this person asked me a question and I just got distracted and this and this mm -hmm. and this. And Justifying like, it. Exactly, really justifying it. Real and hear it. And when we feel heard and acknowledged, validated, it often leads to empathy. Me understanding why my partner would be angry at me for leave, being two hours late. And often when we talk, when I'm helping couples talk, so where, where else in your life has someone not shown up for you? Mm. And often we see what gets triggered in us. Our partners couldn't push our buttons if there weren't our buttons. And often those buttons go back to, well, my mom was never home. I always was waiting for her. This is a huge issue. I hate waiting. Mm. So when I can link my response, my negative response back to, my history it doesn't have to be my partner's fault so much mm -hmm. and in the dialogue i coach people to try and minimize blame accusation and make it more about when i saw this my reaction was this instead of you did this wrong uh, even though there's only those three little pieces there's much much more going on mm than just mirroring, validating, and empathy. Uh, 
those are the goals. They're not always easy to get to, but it seems to be a system is when people really feel heard, their frustration diminishes. I know we'll get, I get couples, and every couple seems to have the reoccurring nightmare, same fight over and over and mm-hmm. over again. And what seems to be almost universally true is the one receiving the message says, oh, my God, here we go again. Yeah. I'm going to hear about how I screwed up at Christmas five years ago. And the other one's thinking they still don't get why I was upset at that Christmas dinner. Yeah, yeah. And so when I can slow the process down or help the couple slow the process down, get the listener to really hear get the sender to send a message without blame, accusation, and judgment. And the listener really, oh, now I really get it, not just at a peripheral but a very deep level. You watch the sender relax. They don't need to keep talking about it because they finally, excuse me, feel heard and understood by their partner. Is passive aggressiveness a sign that none of these three are working? (laughs) I guess, you know, I, I'm cautious not to label too much, but what the way I think about passive-aggressive behavior is mm-hmm. being two hours late is can be a real, you know, the heck with you, I really don't care. Yeah. And passive-aggressiveness is, for me, just another way that does not work to communicate. Instead of saying... You know, I was really angry that you chose to be with your sister and not me last night. I'll be two hours late today. So if there's enough safety, people have learned the tools, they can address the issue rather than act it out. Anybody that has kids has heard, and I've certainly said it to our kids when they were little, use your words when kids are freaking out. Well, the bad news is we as adults don't always and maybe even rarely use our words. Uh. <clears throat> they have affairs, they drink too much, they withdraw, they get over-involved in kids' work, but they're not talking about what's going on. They're acting it out. And when we can get people to realize uh, the unconscious motivation maybe and learn the tools to speak and have a partner that's willing to listen, then they use their words rather than acting it out in other ways. I think that as adults, in order to survive these issues, Mm -hmm. we are changing the standard of what is normal. We create a new normal. Mm -hmm. So I, where the couple got together and wanted to spend a lot of time together Mm -hmm. and wanted to find out and stay up late and get up early Mm -hmm. and, go visit this and go walk and Mm -hmm. all of a sudden because of changes and because of the we got together and the man the guy goes like i haven't seen my guys for a while i'm Mm going to go hang out with the guys tonight i'm going to go watch this game over there where he would skip the game to be with the partner all of a sudden these adjustments in order to keep it together are going to be accepted as a new norm 
okay, well, so I, I will accept the fact that he is not going to spend that much time with me, that he wants to, he or she, that she wants to be with her friends, that she is not going to spend that time with me where we used to spend all this time mm -hmm. together. Uh, I realize that he really loves the kids, but uh, I know he has all this work and he wants to hang out with his friends, so I will accept this new change is, mm -hmm. do you understand what i'm trying to say yes and is I that okay is that okay well, or is that just uh, it, it's normal but is, is that just trying to avoid conflict well it's an individual case i can't say okay we do need space but are we beginning to use the the, the space to avoid but what you're describing is there's three or four stages of relationship depending on how you look at it and the first stage is the romantic stage. Mm -hmm. And in the romantic stage of love, there's a, there are chemicals dumped into the body, forms of adrenaline that we will not see in the body except in the romantic stage of love. And mm -hmm. these certain chemicals give us a sense of euphoria. We have extra energy. We can stay up later. Mm -hmm. uh, uh -huh. Everything seems better. Depression lifts. And so in the romantic stage of love, there is often a very deep connection. Defenses are down. It feels like fun. It's playful. And often after the romantic stage of love leads to the uh, power struggle or commitment. And soon after the commitment stage, after commitment, we go into the power struggle. And the romantic stage can last 20 minutes. It can last at the outside three to four years. And so then in the romantic stage, everybody's on their best behavior. Yeah. And <clears throat> we're in that stage of denial that, you know, well, I'm going to ignore that. Kind yeah, of yeah, thing. yeah, yeah. That's what you meant also with the premarital. Yeah. Count. Yes. So then the commitment comes. People tend to unconsciously drop some of the really good behavior and metaphorically, they start leaving their underwear out. And the couple often feels duped. Each person in the coupleship feels like, oh my gosh, I never saw that behavior before. Mm -hmm. And so then they feel like they're duped. They lead into uh, 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 the power struggle. And that's where the divorce happens. What we're asking in Imago and not asking in teaching is to go into a third stage, which is the conscious stage of relationship. Hmm. But part of the patterns are so universal. But what you're describing is we've had this great romantic period, six months, a year and a half, and all of a sudden they're feeling safe enough and he, she, it doesn't matter, wants to go to the baseball game like you mentioned. And you mentioned the word acceptance. This is often one of the developmental stages of marriage that causes difficulty. Yeah. Because what do you mean we've been together every Friday night for the last six months, and now all of a sudden you want to go hang out with your coworkers? Uh, the stories get made up in our heads. They don't really love me anymore. I'm being betrayed. Who knows? The stories vary. And so... If couples don't know how to negotiate this, it can be a big stumbling block that when one or both begin to separate and not stay as involved as they were. And you said something else is that couples 
struggle with is that my partner can have a Friday night out with their friends or travel to their, see their parents, whatever it is, and still love me. Yeah. They're not mutually exclusive, mm. but it, it often causes some struggle. And having the tools to be able to discuss it, the safety to, to look inside and see what's going on can make a big difference in helping people negotiate that part of relationship. Yeah. So what is the fourth stage after the conscious stage? Well, the first stage often is attraction, and often there's attraction, but not always. There's the romantic stage, mm -hmm. the power struggle, and then there uh, the conscious the stage. Conscious stage. And what is number four? The conscious stage. If you use the first one, is the romantic oh. or the uh, the uh, attraction. And in my marriage, we're up to I think the fifth stage where um, my humor is no more, no longer funny. It's called my husband's a jerk stage. <laughs> I've heard it all. I've seen it all. I see. So the commitment and power struggle stage is kind of number two and number three. Yeah. Uh, there's okay. not, a, you know, some people call the, the uh, in the uh, field, call the attraction stage one. But there's not always attraction. Some people just kind of, in my office, not often, but just I had nothing else going on and we kind of got hooked up and they didn't really, there wasn't that connection. Yeah. It felt comfortable, but not Yeah, there not wasn't, attraction. wow, this is the best person I've ever met. They're beautiful. Now, let's just, using these concepts, let's move. Let, let, I want to ask you, we're talking here about two consenting adults mm -hmm. that have a relationship, probably a romantic relationship. Mm -hmm. What if this is a parent and a child? Does it still work this way? I mean, we still say have to go again. through the mirroring. Let's say because you also work with uh, uh, parents and adults, and mm -hmm. it's all about relationships. Yes. So, does the same uh, dialogue, mirroring, validation, mm -hmm. and empathy work between parent and child? And then specifically, I see that a parent can mirror what the child needs, validate it, and show empathy. But can a child do that towards the parent? Well, that's a great question. I've never thought about it. I think older children, maybe 16, 18, and older. Okay. But I wouldn't expect that back from... Uh, a young teenagers. Young, young teenagers. Sometimes I need you to give me eye contact, mirror back what I say. But to, to have validation and empathy, I probably wouldn't expect... And that's not their job, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. But I do know, like when our daughter was really young, and we would just listen and say, okay, I hear what you're saying. You don't want to go to bed. There's a, an adult party in the house, and I don't blame you. Yeah, I This is exciting. It's fun. I wouldn't want to go to bed either. Mm -hmm. So once kids really want to be heard and understood, yeah, and once they feel heard, they begin to not always, there's no absolutes in the mental health field, they often will soften. Okay, they. I feel heard, I feel loved. Instead of you're going to go to bed right now, little girl, little boy, and boom, their defenses come up, and we've got a conflict often. So one way I think, well, one way to avoid minimize conflict is hear back, try and understand what they're trying to tell us. Hmm. Did I answer what you're looking for? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just, uh, obviously, it is much more 
the work when you talk about relationship issues is usually between adults, but I also mm-hmm. realize that, uh, and, and I haven't, I'm not in that practice as you are, but I've watched <coughs> movies where there was issues between parents and children and decided to go to counseling even with the child mm-hmm. and a child, child counselor mm-hmm. or psychiatrist. And then the parents sit with the children, but I don't really feel that's the same. I understand because what, what you do, you don't you aren't people facing each other when they talk to each other? And it, when when you take a child, a young teenager, to a child counselor mm-hmm. or a child psychiatrist, it's usually they're sitting next to each other, mm-hmm. facing the the expert, right. which is not the same as what you do in your work, where the people are actually facing each other and you're right there with them. Is that well, correct? Well, I used to have people sit in individual chairs facing one another. Okay. Now, for the most part, that can be too confrontational for some couples All right. to be looking right at one another. There's not enough safety. There's too much uh, anger, hurt. So uh, I have a, 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 it's truly a magic couch. Things change on this couch. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so they may be sitting facing me but it's kind of like a triangle. And what I have people do when they're ready, and sometimes when they're not quite ready, I want to put a little pressure on and push them, is, you know, if you're going to listen to your partner right now, think about what your body would say. When someone's really hearing you, what does their body say to you? So maybe turn your body towards them. Listen with your entire body. Let them know that your eyes, your ears, your whole body is there to receive them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think when we deal with kids, absolutely. Getting down on their level, looking them in the eye, really listening. Yeah. Makes a huge difference. People want to be heard and understood, Mm -hmm. accepted. Hmm, I see. It's almost telling them, remember the stage when, let's say between adults, when you were in love and you couldn't keep your eyes off each other. That's a great way let's, to put it. Let's go, let's try yeah. to imitate that again and relive that. And, and at least I understand the issues are different now. The dialogue is different, but let's still realize that that is the person you fell in love with. Yes. Give I, that person a chance to make eye contact with you. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. We'll be right back. Keeping a finger on the pulse of health research. This is Gesundheit with Jacobus every Saturday morning from 8 to 11.